Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week we read back some messages from the mailbag provided by our loyal mail bot, Carney. Uh, let's see. Today's episode is probably going to be uh, heavier with Weird House Cinema responses than usual, mainly on account of the absolute deluge of messages we have received about Return to Oz. I think this may be our biggest Weird House mailbag ever. Uh, yeah, it certainly it certainly got a lot of uh, responses from folks, a lot of strong memories of the Return to Oz. But before we get to that, I thought we could do a couple of messages about our episode on whistling. Um, let's see. Rob, I'm going to start off with some selections from an email from Lurch, uh, who writes in a good bit. Uh, this email had a, a lot of good parts, but it's long, so I'm just going to pull out a couple of sections. Uh, so, Lurch writes, When I was still young, I think this may have been before the Brothers Grimm actually wrote their books, my grandmother used to tell me stories at bedtime. One of the stories was similar to the Pied Piper story, except instead of using pipes to lure the rats and then children out of town, he whistled. I've never heard of this version elsewhere, so it may be particular to her Swedish family. Either that, or Jacob and Wilhelm had their own aversion to whistling. 
Some years later, I served in the United States Coast Guard, coincidentally where I met my wife. On my first ship, I was happily whistling a tune on the fantail when the bosun came by and admonished me not to do that. When I asked why not, he said it was because I might whistle up a storm. He was at least half serious, adding some gruesome curly cues, krakens, sirens, and irate chiefs. <laughs> Well, this is interesting in in two ways. Uh, I've never heard of that version of the Pied Piper story before. I always heard of it uh, with a pipe. I guess in my brain, I always kind of compared it to that image of the snake charmer who plays an instrument or a a pipe or clarinet type instrument of some sort. Um, And then, uh, yeah, and then regarding the Coast Guard, I I am kind of surprised to hear so recent a story. I assume, uh, Lurch, I know you, you say you are quite old, but I assume this was in the 20th century at least. Still, it wouldn't it wouldn't have to be too long ago because, like like we discussed, you get out on the ocean, you get into the wilds, and uh, you know the the modern brain kind of slips away, and you have to to fall back on older patterns of thinking. I wonder how this relates to military discipline. Like if a, if a commander in the in a military command structure orders you not to do something because it may have magical ill effects, do you have to obey that order? I guess you have to obey no matter what the reasoning is, right? Mm, I don't know. I mean, that sounds like, at least on TV, that would be grounds for mutiny, right? If the your commanding <laughs> officer is invoking krakens and sirens, or if not mutiny, at least like, some sort of official grounds for removing them from duty. Like if one's commander tells you to stop combing your hair because it will incite the wrath of a banshee, do, do you have to stop? Good, good questions to ponder. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. All right, here's another one. This one comes to us from Pamela. Pamela writes, Hi, Robin Joe. I'm a longtime listener and love this show, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for not having seasons and disappearing for two months every 10 shows. I don't get to stop working every two months, so I appreciate you sticking it out with me. Well, Pamela, I did want to have a note on this. I Thank you for saying that, but also to be fair to our peers in the podcasting space, uh, the shows that take time off in between seasons are al- almost certainly not doing it because they're lazy. They've just got they got a different production process. They need time to develop a new season of content. We have a different production process. Uh, so, so just different kinds of shows. Yeah, they also, I think a lot of podcasters out there also have various other things going on or they have um, they have other gigs. They have like their main gig, and uh, yeah, for us this this is our main gig. So uh, you know everybody's everybody's life everybody's life work balance is a little different. But anyway, Pamela continues. Anyway, to the purpose of my message, one of the most unique whistling pieces I can think of in modern popular music is the German band band uh, Ramstein's. Uh, Engel, Engel to non-German speakers. I have attached. A, I was not expecting this uh, this this listener mail to end up in uh, Ramstein uh, territory here. I have attached a link to the official music video with the whistling lead-in. What makes it so attractive and recognizable is the simplicity. Once you hear this played through, you can hear the first two notes and know what's coming. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to listen to it now and uh, and see if I am familiar with this tune. Rob is doing Ramstein research. Let's get some Ramstein research music.
Oh, all right. Okay. I just heard, heard it. Maybe we even played a little bit of it there. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's neat. Starts with the, uh, with just the whistling and then here come the beats. Here comes the industrial edge. Pamela continues, evidently David Lynch was a big Ramstein early adopter and had himself as Gordon Cole whistle the intro to Angel in a scene in Twin Peaks, but he flutters the ending of the stanzas and ruins it. It hurts me to watch. Anyway, you guys are the best. I will be here hanging near the Capitol thinking deep thoughts with you while I listen. Take care, Pamela. Love to get a message from a... a, a I think I've said the name several different ways now. A Ramstein fan. Is it Ramstein? 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 I've never talked about them out loud before, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm familiar with them through um, you know industrial music. They've never been a, a group that I've listened to a lot directly, but occasionally they're involved or they have some involvement with another act uh, i think there's a there's a, a mashuga did a, a remix of one of their tracks or they did a remix of a mashuga track years back uh, you know that sort of thing yeah well so at first i didn't believe this claim about twin peaks because i was thinking wait a minute th- that show came out before ramstein was a band or at least before this song came out uh, but then I realized it was referring to the recent revival series, and it is, what Pamela says is true. I dug up a clip. There is a clip of David Lynch in costume, in character as like an FBI agent, whistling this this uh, Rammstein song, <laughs> and that's pretty weird. I I would have had no idea what kind of music David Lynch listened to but if i had to guess i would think he was like i don't know listening to weird experimental music that was just like pitch modulation of people screaming Hmm. or uh, you could go totally the other way and say it's all entirely like ambient jazz well at any rate pamela thanks for writing in that's interesting Okay, we got a lot of Return to Oz to get to, so I think maybe we should go straight to the Weird House responses. Let's do it. All right, this first message comes from D. D says, hello, Joe, Rob, and Seth. First off, thank you for the hours upon hours of education and entertainment I've gotten. I've been a regular listener since I took a job that required a monstrous commute back in 2017. I still remember the first episode I listened to on my first day on the job, Talos, the Bronze Automaton, and I've been hooked ever since. That was a fun episode. Oh, yeah. I'd wanted to write several times before, but uh, but hadn't gotten to it. But your recent Weird House on Return to Oz finally pushed me over the edge. I believe Robert had asked uh, about people who had seen this, notably in the theater, and what their impressions were. I'll relate a story as part of that. My parents were divorced in the early 1980s, and as divorced parents are wont to do, my dad would take me to the movies as it was a fun bonding experience, and he was a fan of Weird House before it was a thing, having worked for David Cronenberg in the early 70s. Well, that would do it. I can't. This is a Cronenberg legacy email. <laughs> D continues. The challenge was that his picks for child-appropriate cinema were suspect. This being the late 1980s and his background in the arts being what it was, many selections, even if child-friendly, ended up being a little too dark. He'd already caught flack in the months prior for taking seven-year-old me to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And VCRs were an expensive luxury, this being the era when many people rented the player as well as the movies. 
Uh, So he figured that Return to Oz would be a nice, safe pick among what was playing at the time. It ended up being worse. Seven-year-old me may have thought that Mola Rom's heart extraction scene was pretty cool and that the dinner scene was awesomely gross, uh, referring to Temple of Doom. But Return to Oz gave me nightmares for days afterwards. I'd kept swearing I'd seen faces in the wallpaper at night. Mombi's hall of heads made my hair stand on end, and I still find the wheelies creepy to this day. There was really something special about children's films from the late 1970s and early 1980s. My father, bless him, did rent a VCR for our next family movie night, only to unintentionally terrify us further with what I think would make an excellent Weird House selection, 1978's Watership Down, which is a, quote, movie based on a book about bunny rabbits, in the same way that Cujo is, quote, a movie based on a book about a dog. He really could not win. Regardless, thank you for the great work that you do. I appreciate the thoroughness, levity, and enthusiasm uh, you throw into your topics. You're my go-to podcast and easily top of the heap. Please keep up the great work, D. Oh, well, that that was great. I mean, like you say, there's a there's a David Cronenberg connection in this email. Uh, mentions some other you know, thoroughly strange films in their own way. Uh, I've, I've never actually, I've never seen Cujo. It just never was a, a mm. film that, that called to me, nor a book that called to me. And I don't think I ever watched Watership Down either, but I've listened to the Art Garfunkel song from Watership Down, uh, Bright Eyes, a lot. Uh, that's, a, that's, a real, that's a real heart-wrencher. I haven't seen Watership Down. I have seen Cujo. I eh, don't know if I'd recommend it. It's, it's not a very fun time. Yeah. I mean, does the dog even talk? No, it's a it's a movie about rabies. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just it's just not very fun. It's it's so weird to look back at those early King novels. Um, and I don't think that I think Salem's Lot is the earliest King novel I actually read. But you look back at some of them, and it's it's like here's a guy who had so many ideas and would continue to to bust out so many great ideas. But if you were just looking at those first few novels, you might you you might wonder how much was really in the tank, right? Because it's like the psychic yeah. girl uh, novel, and oh, there's psychic boy in a hotel novel, killer dog novel. Uh, it maybe didn't look like there was like a ton of variety ready, that, you know, inside that head charged to to take over the world. But it turns out there there was. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. 
Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, this one comes to us from Beck. Beck says, hello from Sydney, Australia. I was so excited to see this podcast episode. I saw Return to Oz as a child when it came out, and it was my absolute favorite movie. Even now, as an adult, I think about saying Oz when I see a green figurine. It was the right level of scary as a kid, although the wheelers particularly scared me. I had a similar mirror to the one Ozma appears in, and I would move it like Dorothy did in the hopes she'd appear in the mirror. 
For so long, no one I knew had seen or even heard of this movie. I only rewatched it again about five years ago, and it was amazing to watch it as an adult and pick up on so many things I missed as a kid. I also also realized the VHS version I had taped from TV was slightly sanitized, so I discovered some new scenes, which was just thrilling. The movie inspired some of my fan art as well, and here's some labyrinth art too. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Cheers, Beck. And she includes several uh, pictures here from her her Instagram account. Uh, Beck Beck's a great artist. I love these paintings. Oh yeah, there's Jack Pumpkinhead. Yeah, there's Jack Pumpkinhead and Dorothy. Uh, then there's I think Ozma holding a jack o' lantern. I think this is from mm-hmm. the scene in the in the clinic where she like gives the pumpkin to Dorothy. Oh, and there's uh, Hoggle. There's what? Oh, oh, sorry, I skipped ahead to Hoggle. Yeah. Oh, Labyrinth. Ho- from Labyrinth. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the, the the mirror thing is is very interesting because of course of course that's one of the the, the fun but also kind of haunting textures in Return to Oz that Dorothy is in the real world trying to reconnect with Oz and the adults in her world do not understand this and they think this is a problem and yeah. as a viewer we're kind of we we since we don't really see Oz manifest at that point in the film we're kind of led to believe this as well. Like this doesn't, maybe there's a, the scene is a little creepy early on because we're, we kind of buy into this idea that the, that the adults are telling us like, like Dorothy needs to get her head back on the ground here uh, because she is becoming too fascinated with the imaginary. And those attempts to reconnect with Oz are part of that. I think there is something poignant there too. Yeah. Of the, of the return to Oz, the desire to return to something which as adults, of course, we all have feelings of nostalgia and we, and, and perhaps a more nuanced understanding and realistic understanding of what it is to return to some of these ideas that previously engaged us so and captured our imagination. But there is, I feel like there is that time period as a child where you're still so close to the imaginary being real. Uh, mm-hmm. That you can reach back and you can you can the the, the the ability to sort of reach out and grab hold of these things uh, is 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 more real, you know, because they they haven't really drifted that far from you. Be it some sort of a, yeah. a belief, be it something like the you know the Easter Bunny or something, um, or or something you know more more poignant than that. Like you're you're closer to them. You're closer to the dream. Um, and, and sometimes it is an actual dream. Like I, I remember like having dreams, vivid dreams as a child. And there was a feeling when you woke up from them that they were still within reach. Yes. I remember that feeling too. I mean, this is something that definitely comes through. And I think especially a lot of, you know, fantasy literature, because it it is made by adults. And a lot of what's going on is nostalgia for the child's power to believe that like you, uh, you know, you wish in a way that you could at least temporarily reoccupy that mind space where things that are impossible for you to believe now seemed more plausible. Yeah. And, and occasionally you do find authors that are able to, to really capture all of this. I think there's a Richard Matheson short story about a, a little boy who believes that he's a vampire. And of course it's, it, this is a Richard Matheson story. So it's a, it's a, it's a chiller, you know, it's a, it's a horror, it's a thriller, it's all that. Uh, he's going for a, a totally different vibe. But uh, if I remember, like, it, it's one of these, it's a short story, but it brings you right to this, this point in the, in the story where you're not sure which way is going to go. Like the boy believes he is a vampire and he is either, he's either about to have that belief crushed by the realities of the grown up world or it's going to go in the other direction. It's going to go into that into that direction that veers into the supernatural, and you don't really know which way it's going to go. And both 
both directions. Like one is one, I guess, is heartbreaking, and the other is a, a potentially horrific as well because it involves vampires. Right. By the way, I just looked it up. I think the name of the short story is Blood Sun. Hmm. But it's been a long time since I've read it. Uh, but I remember it now as being being quite good at the time. All right, this next message is from Pat, also about uh, Return to Oz. Pat says, Guys, another great weird house. I also feel regret in having missed the original release. I remember word of mouth being particularly bad. I have since developed a wariness of peer pressure. I would have loved this movie. I paused your podcast to watch the film. Feruza Balk is an actress with a special identity. Who is like her? She's so good in this film. If I knew Nicole Williamson was in it, I would have seen it earlier. I am a big fan. I recall seeing him in a vanity production on Broadway, uh, which is called Jack, A Night on the Town with John Barrymore. And by the way, I looked this up. Uh, It looks like it was a one-man show with uh, Nicole Williamson as the famous American stage actor, John Barrymore, who I think was active in the, uh, in the first half of the 20th century. Pat goes on about uh, Williamson. He was powerful and hilarious. I recall a mean-spirited reviewer referring to his performance as, quote, one drunk playing another. Who is to say, but as a guy who loves his whiskey, I thought Nicole was drinking during the performance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But Pat goes on, I don't think Return to Oz had very much to do with the classic film. Rather, it's a tribute to the original stories. The dual role of Worley and the Gnome King is an opportunity to explore fantasy in the mind of a child and adults' inability to understand. We were all children, but when most of us grow, we build barriers to childish fantasy, not balm. Uh, referring to the author of the books. As always, thanks for the great job of analysis. Please do keep it up, Pat. That's a, that's a good point about Baum, kind of a what a William Blake figure in that respect. Man, I would love to see a a live one man performance by Nicole Williamson. It, <laughs> it 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 sounds it sounds like it could have been a precarious situation though. <laughs> if you yeah. <laughs> you don't know exactly how it's going to go, but uh, it uh, but but again, he was a great actor. So if, if if he is going to excel anywhere, it's going to be on the stage or in in, in front of the camera. All right, this next one comes to us from Nadja. Nadja writes, Dear Robert and Joe, I wanted to write into you guys as I was particularly delighted by your episode on Return to Oz, which I was lucky enough to see in the cinema way back when. I would have been about eight or nine at the time, and I found the darker scenes at the, uh, of the film being deliciously scary. They grounded the plot in reality somehow, and even though by that age I knew places like Oz or Narnia couldn't be real, starting off the movie from a point where Dorothy was under threat from an evil psychiatrist because of her delusions seemed a much more palpable and realistic threat than a tornado to someone who doesn't live in Tornado Alley, at least. By the time I saw Return to Oz, I'd already seen quite a few disturbing adult films, such as Brazil, um, the Twilight Zone movie, and parts of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so Return to Oz was a fun level of dark atmosphere in comparison. I remember that when the movie came out in Perth, the main bookshop stocked reprints of the Oz sequels. OMG, I never knew there was more than one book. The sequels were never listed in my copy of Wizard of Oz, and our local library only had the original, so I literally never knew there was a treasure trove of Oz books. A very happy day for me indeed. 
Further on Oz Media, there is a young adult series of books set in the Oz, beginning with Dorothy Must Die. In this series, Dorothy and her companions are the evil rulers of Oz. The Scarecrow does vile experiments on captured citizens. The Tin Man is a slasher, and the Lion a man-eater. Mombi is part of an underground resistance movement fighting the evil regime. Oz characters also make many appearances in the Vertigo series Fables, and of course there's a Jack Pumpkinhead in The Sandman, though he's not a sweet, innocent character, more like a groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> the original Oz movie was something I was absolutely obsessed with since I saw it on TV when I was around five. I remember checking the TV guide every week to see if it would be on again, and every couple of years I was rewarded by another showing. Ah, the days before VCR. However, this brings me to my next movie obsession, which was Excalibur. My uncle, who worked with computers and was the only technophile in the family, lent us his VCR for a week. Knowing I was a kid into Arthurian legends, one of the videos he included was Excalibur, which I watched at least once a day for that week. The movie completely blew my mind. Even the fact of it being a seriously cut-down version of the original saga couldn't spoil it for me. To this day, I can conjure up various scenes in my head, along with the Wagnerian score, and every time I hear Karl Orff's Carmina Burana, I see knights galloping on horseback in my mind. I think this movie would make a great Weird House cinema. It has some great actors, such as Patrick Stewart and Helen Mirian. And seriously, the very best Merlin ever committed to film. Sorry, Sam Neill. You were good, but not that good. I never realized it was the same actor as the Gnome King slash psychiatrist, but to be fair, I was only six or seven when I saw Excalibur. The sets and costumes look great, and the whole movie is extremely atmospheric. Yes, I've seen it since, and parts of it have aged a little poorly, but along with Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I think it's the best adaptation of the Arthurian legends. Nadja. Wow, thanks, Nadja. Uh, so now I'm really starting to feel left out not having seen Excalibur. It was That was the same director as Deliverance, right? Yeah, it was uh, It was John Borman. Oh, as as Deliverance and same director as The Exorcist 2. <laughs> yes, How yes, that happened, so uh, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, a major director. He directed uh, The Emerald Forest. Zardoz. Oh, Zardoz. That's one, one I've, I've never seen. Uh, it's well known for its weirdness, but I don't, I don't think that's one we could quite cover on Weird House. Yeah, it's been a while. I recall it having some, uh, uh, some kind of bummer elements uh, if we were to, yeah. to do it on the show. But at the same time, it does have like the parts that are good are really good. It's got Sean Connery and like this weird uh, red Speedo costume with a ponytail and a mustache and ooh. Mm. Flying heads, right? Big, yeah, big stone kind of flying, flying heads. Yeah. Flying head in the sky. Oh, and uh, for a weird connection. Now, uh, maybe you should switch off the podcast now if you don't want any spoilers for this 1970s movie. But uh, to spoil the ending of Zardoz, it's a movie about a like dystopian future with a sort of imposed mythology that is actually based on The Wizard of Oz. Zardoz ah. is a short oh, name of The Wizard of Oz. That's like the twist ending. Yeah, see, it comes back to what, what we were talking about in the Return to Oz episode. Like, you you can feel however you feel about the the original Wizard of Oz film or the Wizard of Oz books, but, like, the Wizard of Oz has just been so influential uh, in, in, in fiction and fantasy uh, that you, you can't separate it. You can't remove it. Like, the, the pee is in the pool at this point. <laughs> yep. It, the, the pee is even in Zardoz. 
<laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll have to look at. I, I haven't seen Excalibur in forever. I'll have to look back at it and make sure it's uh, it it would be a, a good pick. But uh, it's it's very shiny. It's a very shiny film, and I don't think we've have we covered anything that has uh, Arthurian elements in it thus far. Uh, I don't know. Not that has I has Merlin recall. shown up. Merlin showed up in something, right? Yeah, why not? Surely, I, surely Merlin has showed up in a Weird House film already. I, I would be surprised if he hasn't. Maybe I'm, I'm misremembering. Okay, well, either way, I got to watch Excalibur. But I think that does it for today's mailbag. That's right. We'll go ahead and close it up today, but we'll be back. So keep them coming. We do listener mail every Monday in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. We do core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, a short form monster fact or artifact on Wednesdays. And on Fridays, we do Weird House Cinema. That's our time to set aside most serious concerns and just talk about a weird film. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission parking and all-day drinks for one low price but you better hurry because this bundle won't last long save now at cedarpoint.com